welcome to the International Association of Business Communicators, Amina Region podcast. This is Monique Zidnik. Today, I have Catherine Bernard and Jennifer Spruill joining me from the UK to chat about the value of partnerships, both external and within organisations. Catherine is a partner at Working the Future, a future of work advisory firm. She helps business leaders design, build and optimise lean and agile organisations. She has also recently been involved in Seth Godin's Carbon Almanac project. Jen is the Chief Executive at the Institute of Internal Communication and has also worked with the Market Research Society in London. Her background is in marketing, publishing and membership organisations. Now, I do need to confess here that I first met Kat and Jen way back last year in, was it Nottingham, I believe? That's right, yes. For the I... Yeah? For the IOIC Festival, which was an amazing, my first face-to-face internal comms event for the year, I believe, post sort of COVID crisis. And we had a lot to talk about, and I'm very excited to continue our conversation today. So welcome, Kat and Jen. Thank you, Monique. It's lovely to be here. (laughs) Thank you so much all the way from the UK. So, Jen, can you tell me a little bit more about what you do and how partnerships are important, not only from that sort of external marketing perspective, but also that relationship building perspective? Yeah, absolutely, Monique. So to start with your first question about sort of what do, what do I do? What, what is my world and how do I go on? So as you kindly said at the beginning, I'm Chief Executive of the Institute of Internal Communication based over here in the UK. So IOIC, which is a much easier way of saying it, is a membership organisation, a bit like IABC, trying to drive forward standards, community and best practice in internal communication. And in terms of what I do, so what's my role in that? Really, I guess my role is to run the organisation, drive forward on our strategy, but most importantly, to work in partnership and collaborate with whether that's my board members, the members, the team. When you're in this role, you're sort of the, the cog in the middle that brings it all together to ensure we're all working in the same direction towards shared goals, towards shared purpose, but also fundamentally that I'm listening And I'm hearing what my community is telling me and I'm working with them in that style of relationship. So that is really my job, if you like, on a day to day level. And picking up on your question around, well, what is the role of partnerships and relationship building? And and why is that so important from both an internal and I guess an external perspective? I think, as I said, from an internal and and that relationship building, when you will run membership organisations or any organisation in this day and age, quite frankly, how we connect and talk to each other and work collaboratively and align is fundamental. So you have to have that strong basis of relationship. You have to be able to have that dialogue, to have that true sense of partnership. If we're all pulling left, right and centre, then we're not going to get towards what our shared goal or, or our shared purpose is. So if we're going to 
advance the profession, help people be good at internal communication, help understand the challenges in our organisations, in our other organisations, and people working alongside us or perhaps outside of us, whether that's with business and society and humans, we have to be able to have relationships to share that and talk to each other to basically essential enable all those voices. And, and that we talk a lot about the importance of voice and how we, how we collectively come together. And I think the other thing as well, from an external point of view as well, is why partnerships are so important is coming back to, for me, internal, if we go to the nuance of internal communication, it's only going to get to where we want it to if all of us from whatever organisation, whether that's you're working alongside an association like the IABC or you work in a different discipline, whether you're a business leader or in that community or whether you're an organisation that's just simply trying to advance talent or to bring people in. We have to partner together to, to drive forward that movement, to advocate, to make change, to make positivity. So partnerships, yes, from a, from a marketing commercial perspective, of course they enable reach, they enable audience, but more importantly, they're about enabling us to come together and drive that forward. And it's about moving from transactional relationships to meaningful relationships. And we buy people, we buy share goals, goals, we buy shared togetherness. And actually by partnering within our community and outside our community, we can probably more likely to achieve where we want to be. That would be my, my first answer to that kind of the value of partnerships in, in the internal and the external world. It's really interesting because it touches on a couple of things that I spoke with Zora Artis in one of the earlier podcasts about alignment and having those shared goals and working towards a shared goal. And you, just picking up on some of your comments, you mentioned listening, you mentioned relationship building as the skills. Are there other skills that you would really encourage people to focus on growing to be successful in a role such as yours? Yeah, I, I I think it's to think smartly about partnerships. Also, we have to think there's lots of priorities and there's lots of places and things that we can do, but we need to work with people that are going to, there's mutual benefit. benefit. Otherwise, we're going to spread ourselves too thinly. So really getting mm-hmm. that basis of understanding, what do you want? What do I want? What do we all want? Because that's a really, really smart decision to make sure that you're partnering. I think the other thing I would say is it's proactivity. It's one of those things when people come to you and sort of say, well, we should be partnering. It's like, well, have you asked? Be proactive. Identify who really works for your partnership, who's going to add value to your organisation, to your mission, to your purpose, but also to them as well. So you're working on a, a mutual exchange. I think that's really important because we give when we feel there's something that we're all going to benefit from. And then I would also say is be proactive. You know what? What's the worst that's going to happen? Someone ignores you or says no reach out, be proactive, be participative, be present, you know, and also go in sometimes, I think, with that initial relationship building skill, with just having a conversation. Don't always worry too much about, did I get what I want? Start with that. That's where we have to build slowly towards it and make sure it builds, I guess, into the human system, not the transactional system, would be something I would say when you start out on those relationships. And Catherine, I'm really interested in your your thoughts as well on this topic uh, where, where do relationship building and partnerships come into your 
everyday work. And I, I, I do want to speak with you about one of my heroes just afterwards, but just bringing you into the conversation now. I think the notion of partnerships has been massively devalued in recent years. And I would probably say that we've become less egalitarian and far more individualistic actually since the arrival of the commercial internet. I think one of the things that I've always thought about partnerships is exactly to Jen's points. You know, a partnership is at heart, it's a relationship between two people or two entities and it involves balance and mutuality and trust and transparency and you can't fast track any of those things they are entirely contingent on relationship building when I look back at my career and the kind of activities that I have been involved with I started my career as a recruiter headhunter in the early 1990s and at that particular point the European telecommunications sector was deregulating. What that essentially meant was that until that point, each country had had literally one state-owned phone operator for all telephony services. Once deregulation occurred, it introduced competition into the telecommunications sector. So what we saw was that we, each country in, in Europe and latterly in the world went from one state owned mobile one state owned operator to three four or five both on the mobile phone side and on the fixed line side and all of the organizations that won the licenses to roll out and deliver those phone networks were partnerships they were consortia because the risk was too great to bear by yourself and the know-how didn't exist at that time for all of these organizations to do their thing individually so in every in as, a, as an example situation you might have a consortium of organizations bidding for a mobile phone license in let's say austria and that that consortium would be made up of perhaps one or two technical partners, one or two financial partners, and then maybe another local partner. So if you think about that, that's five entities coming together that probably haven't worked together previously. They are there to share financial risk and financial reward. The stakes are high, but you have to put in right at the get-go some psychological components that mean that there is utter trust and transparency because there is such a huge amount of money at stake if those newly awarded mobile phone operators don't achieve their commercial deliverables. And what is interesting to me is there was never an issue really that we saw overtly and out there around partnerships. We really understood what a partnership was about. It was about shared risk and shared reward. What I've noticed over the last 10 to 15 years, particularly as technology and funding around technology has become so much more dominant, is a really individualistic win-lose approach to business and ergo partnerships. 
If you look at, and I don't know whether it's hit your airwaves yet, Monique, but, you know, look at the Uber scandal that is currently unravelling in Europe and the globe. Yeah. You cannot tell me that Uber approached partnerships with a true sense of egalitarianism and mutuality. It was entirely exploitative, as we're all finding out now. And I think... You know, when I think about my 30-year career, I honestly couldn't recall the amount of times I've been approached as a business owner about partnerships by a another who ultimately want to either leverage our brand reputation and, and the fact that we've always worked really hard to deliver results. Um, and it's actually quite rare for me that you find a balanced relationship where everybody is pulling in the same direction. I have to say, without being too gushing, I think our relationship with the Institute of Internal Communication is fantastic because it is entirely balanced and we're all pushing in the same direction at all times. And, and that builds such a strong sense of camaraderie and community within the confines of what we're trying to deliver. I remember reading a book a couple of years ago about, well, it was it was written by the guy who launched AOL, America Online, a guy called Steve Case. He was their chief executive. And obviously the mission back in the 90s was to bring commercial internet to every household in America. And he was he was talking in the book it was called The Third Wave, the book, if anyone's interested. He was talking about how they got that to happen. He talked about some of the uh, competition that they had to stave off with Microsoft. Do you remember Microsoft? There was a big controversy in the 1990s around anti-competition. And he was just talking about how they accomplished their mission. And then he looked forward into the 21st century and he looked at some of the global challenges that we now face. And we are in the thick of them. We're in the thick of the climate crisis. We're in the thick of social inequality. We're in the thick of mainstream political bribery and corruption. And to boot, we now have a war in Europe that nobody knows which way that's going to go. I think could not have gone much worse for the world since 2016. But Steve Case, he pointed out in this book, and of course he didn't know any of these things were going to happen back then, he was just looking germanely to the horizon and perhaps looking more uh, towards the climate crisis without knowing the extent to which and the pace at which it was going to escalate. He made the point that we cannot solve the systemic challenges of our age in isolation from one another. We can only solve those systemic challenges together and in partnership. And for me, the absolute opportunity for internal communications now is to build relationship and trust using the words that we say and write all day long it's our job to bring relationship literally back to life to embody it and to nurture community however long that takes and we've had some pushback recently haven't we Jen you know why is it our job and 
who who else is going to do this work as communicators presumably we all love the potency of words and language words and language underpin relationship every time we have an interaction with somebody we use our words to express how we feel and what we mean so who better than us and i see that as the most amazing opportunity but we have to start back at square one which is to understand that it's not just about words it's about relationship and empathy and feeling and and meaning and respect and honor and commitment and all manner of things that perhaps are a bit alien to us in business in the 2020s but we have to get back there really importantly and that trust is also at the core and what i'm hearing from you is it's far more complex than that simple hashtag of stronger together it's really a complex dynamic that can be unhealthy if there's different forces pulling in different directions and not a common goal if there isn't that focus as you said on the empathy the trust the all of those other elements of relationship building and the importance of language as well and you also touched on uh, climate change cat which i want to spring into my burning question because i know you recently spoke with seth godden who's one of my podcast heroes and you've also been working with him on the carbon almanac what was it like meeting him and can you tell me a little bit more about the project i'm very envious so it was more by luck than judgment if i'm totally honest with you monique like many people i received seth's email newsletters and I'd completed an akimbo course late last year and early this year there was one of his emails came out just inviting people into join this new project, the Carbon Almanac. I knew that they were working on the launch of a book and I knew that the book was about climate change. Climate change is an issue that I care very strongly about and so... I signed up and and was immediately granted access to the Carbon Almanac community and had no idea really how I might contribute for probably the first week. But then kind of just took the plunge and thought, well, if I don't offer help, then I'm just going to be lurking around the edge of the disco. And so gently... Slowly, by hook or by crook, I've ended up looking after UK and European outreach, pre-ordering of copies, and I have been liaising with corporates and SMEs and mid-tier businesses who want to support the project as part of their corporate responsibility. What I think is really important to listeners to know about the community is it's 100% volunteer-led, so it is quite literally a global collective of volunteers, all of whom are passionate about trying to do something to move carbon action forward. The Almanac is a single source repository of climate data and facts beautifully illustrated, being put together by 
collective creative and it's really been designed as a conversation starter to encourage people to educate themselves and their communities around the climate data basics and to use that education as a catalyst for action. We have a situation where we need systemic overhaul of the way that we as human beings live and operate. I think the fossil fuel industries would have us believe that it's on us as individuals to sort out our own carbon footprints. And that is not true. We absolutely have it within our power and capability to migrate towards cleaner energy. I know in Australia, you've had a recent overhaul of your government and our media reported that one of the reasons behind your change of government was to move towards a more green agendered administration. I think that's what we all have to do. I think we can't continue to support politicians who are invested in allowing the fossil fuel industries to carry on their trajectory. When I think about the Carbon Almanac as a collective and as a partnership, it, for me, has absolutely 110% embodied the essence of partnership. It is the embodiment of trusted relationships, supportive relationships, and empowerment of any of us to go and have a go at, you know, any new initiative that might push the power and potential of the Almanac forward. And I've been involved now since February. I tune into the network pretty much every day. And when I'm feeling at an, a low ebb, there is always somebody within that community doing something amazing that reignites my motivation to push forward. And I think that it's, it's almost hard to describe, actually, because, you know, we have words to describe things that we're used to describing. When you're not used to describing something, you have to carve those words for the very first time. But I said to Seth, actually, that I found the community element of the Carbon Almanac to be one if not the most refreshing thing to be a part of that I've experienced in perhaps 25 years. And just to, just to finish off, because I know you said you are a fan, he is the most lovely, humble, wonderfully supportive human being. I feel like I'm now fangirling. I'm not. I just... I just everything that you would hope might be true of an of an individual that you admire absolutely is and I think he has done the most amazing thing not just to catalyze the book as an idea and bring it into life but his gentle nature is so supportive of the entire endeavor and if he ever listens to this podcast we can only hope he should know that he's just a total legend. I think we should all celebrate our heroes in this moment. Jen, I'm very curious, are there particular elements that you 
also get back from the community. Kat was mentioning the supportive nature of the community that she's been working with on this project. Are there certain elements that you personally find rewarding from this partnership work that you do? Absolutely, absolutely. There's always business benefits, but from a human fulfilment point of view, that's where it comes through. So when you run organisations like I do, like the Institute, where our model is we are owned by our membership, we are not there to serve necessarily dividends or shareholders, or actually, if you like, a membership body organisation is, is the embodiment of a community. And and that's why I've chosen, I spent 20 years working in this, in this sector for that reason, because for me, there's something around that, what we're trying to achieve that makes it feel so much more rewarding. You know, I know I might work long days or do things or, or whatever, but I'm doing it to drive forward, to make people in the profession, the community, as I feel proud, to feel supported, to feel connected. And and in anyone's job, yeah, sure, big numbers and all that. Yes, I need to make those work because, you know, without the bucks, we can't pay the salaries and all those important things. But for me, if I look back over my career and the things that I've done being involved in community-based organisations for the length I have, it's been the ones where I spend time talking and having conversations where I feel inspired by somebody. And it doesn't have to be a hero or a big name. Every person can inspire another person. You know, that is really important to know. And for me, when I've had those conversations where you come up with that light bulb moment, you kind of go, that's a great idea. Let's do that. Or you're in a community dialogue where everyone's feeling a bit down, like Kat said, you know, when you're feeling like, I don't feel proud, I don't feel supported, and you collectively help solve those challenges. That's really rewarding. I think it's about, and somebody said this to me as well, I heard this at an event recently, it taps into what I care about. And when you tap into what I care about, and I've tapped into what you care about, it's 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 totally and utterly individually rewarding. And I and I support Kat's comments as around then us as a, as a community of professionals trying to help enable that relationship building is really really important. It is the thing that changes everything. It feels like the thing you haven't got time for right now. That's the problem. We feel that's the thing. I don't have an hour to chat and feed that community or feed that partnership just for the sake because it feels like it's for the sake of a conversation but when you take off that barrier and you just go in for a conversation you'll probably get the most reward the best idea the best problem solved and you'll probably as organizational individuals or entities mutually benefit and a perfect representation of some of the sparks that i got i remember from the ioic festival last year is just random conversations and someone would drop an idea I was just trying to remember who I was speaking with about the need for professional development for more senior communications people. It was just a, an eye-opening conversation. So I can see that that's hugely rewarding. Um, just quickly, Kat and Jen, what should someone going in to sort of form a partnership what should they be looking for? You mentioned a couple of things such as a common goal, but are there quick tips or flags that you can give our listeners to look for when wanting to go in and start to form those partnerships? I think it depends on, obviously there's context is king in terms of what style of partnership you're looking for. If you're looking for a commercial partnership 
a business partnership, like Kat talked about, when you're talking about financial risk award, there are certain things that that you need to be red flagged about. You know, what are you trying to get out of it and how are you approaching this and does that fit with my sentiment? And so I think that that's one style of partnership perhaps to the side. But I think a partnership with another individual or another organisation on a shared project like the Carmen Almanac that we've talked about or we've talked about challenges that we've identified through collective problem solving and partnering up to make something actually materialise in those conversations to serve other people. I think for me, the thing that we need to know is what's your values and what's mine and are they aligned? What are those words? We talked about shared goals. Yes, there's outcomes, but there's also like, how do you approach things? You know, are you empathetic? Am I empathetic? Do you care in the same way that I care? Do you have integrity? Do I have integrity? So I would always ask to understand each other's values and I'd also try to seek behind those values the actions that I want to see associated with them and I think that this might sound really like a bit simple and a bit old-fashioned use your gut as an instinct there's an instinct when you meet people whether it's right or wrong and how people approach you and actually their style of how they communicate with you when they approach you look out for those words look out for those languages and you feel something you're like and your instinct is like, mm, I don't like the way that was said. That doesn't settle well with me. Listen to that instinct. Because we do generally know when things are going to go in the right direction or not. It's like, it's like dating. You know, if you feel the spark, go for it. If the spark isn't there, it's probably good to make, to give it that little swerve to sound a little bit more like, like a dating guru. <laughs> Those would be some of my thoughts around it. I don't know what you think, Kat. I'm laughing because I do have to confess that as I've been going through my career, I've relied on my gut feeling more and more. Like I can sit, if I get a gut feeling, I can sit and analyze, okay, this situation is going to go pear-shaped because of these reasons. But it's usually the gut feeling that kind of alerts you sooner than, than your brain and your logic can can work to to keep up with the actual situation. Kat, your thoughts? What, what should people... So, so just to um, support that, we should absolutely be relying or listening to our gut instincts. So we apply logic using our brain, but it's our gut and our heart that pulls the emotional punch. And I think for me, to support and complement what Jen said there, I think bring to any partnership that you are minded to discuss or pursue bring transparency I don't think we can be transparent enough when it comes to partnership arrangements and bring emotional intelligence most particularly bring self-awareness it is not enough to say your words We have to be listening and looking out for feedback loops to see how our words have landed. And we need to be constantly looking at how we behave and the impact of our behaviour on other people. So it's interesting, going back to we've literally stepped away from the 2022 Institute of Internal Communication Festival. And one of the keynotes was making a point about how he had built a community over the course of 10-15 years to support renewable energy generation in, a, in, a, in Brixton in London and he, he talked about how it wasn't enough to 
just rely on conventional business metrics. He talked about needing, there needing to be a business case for love. And Jen and I both looked up and looked across the room at one another. Not that we feel that way, particularly about one another, but we just went, oh my goodness, this is exactly what we have been talking about on some of our previous podcast episodes. We need to feel a return on emotion. And just as a tiny little anecdote to leave you with, I've had encounters with people in the last three or four years in the course of our work at Working the Future, which have been so positive because I have known in my heart and my gut that there is a true meeting of minds, that we've come away and we've said, let's stay in touch. We definitely need to partner. We don't know what that opportunity will look like, but we'll know it when we see it, as long as we keep in conversation with one another. And I think that's quite magical because to pursue a partnership that way around, it sounds probably from a scientific kind of alpha brain, it probably sounds counterintuitive. Why would I do that? Why would I waste my money? Why would I invest the time when there's nothing tangible to discuss? But my view is absolutely, if you've had an encounter where you felt that you have that meeting of minds, keep going at that relationship because when the time comes to generate something that delivers value, you want your crew, your your posse, your tribe, you want them around you and you've already done the work of ensuring that there is a connection that transcends the transactional. So you've got that solid base for a relationship and you can just let the creative sparks and the rest and the strategy flow together to an amazing project. I love that. There are definitely people who I enjoy working with and actively seek out opportunities because it's energising. Absolutely. That's the mark of something, isn't it? If you come away from a conversation feeling like, I want to, or even if you don't know how, but you feel that energy, you feel that buzz. Those are the things that carry you through. And and also as well, that's very individual. What I would also say as well is see how you see other connections pop up. You know, sit back as a communicator. Think, hmm, I've seen him and him. How can I align and help enable other connections so other people can fly because you're so as as a communicator connected yourself in so many facets of things sit back as well and see mm, actually and maybe you don't need to think about anything too formal use that that naturalness of time do you want to go for a cup of coffee do you want to have a virtual coffee let's have a chat bring people together there's need for formality but sometimes being so formulaic and so structured takes away that spark the uh, super connector superpower that us as communication professionals have. <laughs> and did you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? I've just I've so enjoyed our conversation. I could talk for hours. I think for me, I would bookend this conversation with acknowledgement that people working in the field of corporate communication, whether that's internal or external, are super tired. We are now close to two and a half years of a pandemic that is not showing any signs of slowing down. 
and we have political instability across much of the developed world now and we have looming cost of living crisis, looming food shortages, energy shortages and so on and I think my take definitely based on last week, I don't know whether you would concur Jen, is just people still want to do a good job in the field of communication but they are so tired because they have been lent on so much by their organisations and are continuing to be lent on. So I guess what I would say is, please don't give up. The world needs you now. Don't step away. Find whatever it is that you need to do to fill your own personal energy cup up. I can only speak from my experience when I tell you all that the only thing that has ever filled my energy cup up is a great conversation with somebody whose company I really deeply appreciate and value. If you're feeling low, go and have that conversation because the world needs us now as communicators to bring everybody together to solve these big problems. That's what I would add. How about we leave our listeners with a challenge? Reach out to someone you know and have that conversation and reach out to someone new and have that conversation and see what sparks fly. I love that challenge, Monique. I'm, I'm agreeing and I, and I couldn't agree with Kat's booking anymore. We have to take care of each other, take care of ourselves, but communication is going to be what enables us to weather whatever storm that we come together but actually us as human beings you know when you've got through the darkest times in your life it's the connections and the partnerships that you have that get you there and I love that challenge because there's people also sitting there in isolation so let's challenge our community to fill your own energy cup with those conversations and challenge others to reach out to people new because it will be the spark that, that it will be the thing that to Nick Cat's phrase that lifts our energy cup right back up. An absolute pleasure speaking with you, Jen and Kat. Thank you so much for your time, listeners. Don't forget the challenge one new person, one current contact to fill your energy cup by, shall we say, a week from listening to our podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.